Hi, I'm Gary. Welcome to a series of podcasts on how to achieve an awakened state through practicing various intellectual, emotional, and physical exercises, and through the gaining of understanding into the laws of world creation and world maintenance, specifically as described within the works of George Gurdjieff and The Fourth Way. Each episode in this series focuses upon a particular element of this teaching and aims to bring simple understanding to what was frequently hidden in plain sight within the various subject areas of The Fourth Way. Picking up from where we left off in our last podcast, we were discussing the changing of the two fundamental laws of 3 and 7 and how Gurdjieff's discourse on the greater change in the law of 7 led the fellow in Texas to create a model that could show what Gurdjieff actually meant with the creation of a diatonic universe, the universe as we know it now. A model that lays out before your very eyes the effect of this greater change in the law of seven, so you can witness in action how the universe possibly came to be. No small order. So, with that, here is how to make the same model that the fellow in Texas used to create the diatonic universe. You will need some material for this. To create the diatonic scale, take a poster board, drop down one inch, and mark a vertical line 21 inches long and one quarter inch to the left of the center. Divide this line into seven three-inch segments, eight points. To the left of the line, label the points downwards, do, ti, la, so, fa, mi, re, and do. Mark the line again in one-eighth inch segments, thus making the ascending Do zero, Re, 24, at one-seventh, Mi, 48, at two-sevenths, Fa, 72, at three-sevenths, So, 96, at four-sevenths, La, 120, at five sevenths, T, one forty four, at six sevenths, and the descending dough, one six eight, at seven sevenths. Next, divide the line into three equal segments to identify the three separated forces. Draw and label the force lines at zero. 7 inches, 14 inches, and 21 inches, or in 1 eighth of an inch increments at 0, 56, 112, and 168 on the scale. At this point, drop down 1 inch and draw another 21 inch vertical line 
but this time draw it one quarter inch to the right of the center, keeping parallel with the other 21 inch line. Using the same scale of one eighth of an inch, label the notes on this line diatonically, thus making the ascending doe zero, ray 21 at one eighth, me 42 at one quarter, far 56 at one third, so 84 at one half, la 112 at two thirds, t 147 at seven eighths, and the descending doe 168 at one. To complete the model, find a half inch wide, 12 and a half inch long elastic strip and staple it at and even with the descending dough, leaving half inch above the dough in which to put the staples. But one staple at 168 even with the descending dough. Note. The bottom of the elastic should fall even with the far of the left line at 72, exactly 12 inches from the descending dough. Also, cut a half inch wide strip of typing paper, nine and a half inches long. Tape it between the two lines, but this time at and even with the ascending dough leaving half inch below the ascending dough on which to put the tape and nine inches above. And note, the top end of the half inch wide paper strip should meet exactly with the bottom end of the half inch wide elastic strip at 72 on the scale. Finally, mark the center strips the same as the left line. The elastic should now be marked with lines representing descending dough at seven sevenths, T six sevenths, La five sevenths, So four sevenths, and Far three sevenths. The paper strip should be marked with lines representing Far at three sevenths, Me at two sevenths, and Ray at one seventh, and the ascending dough zero. The bottom of the elastic strip and the top of the paper strip are marked far 3 over 7 since they meet at this point. To observe the shifting of the notes, simply stretch the far 72, 3 sevenths, at the end of the elastic, down to the force line at 56 at a third, and you will discover that the lines on the elastic strip have moved, and now a line with the diatonic scale, except for T, which is diatonically positioned by the shortening of the last stopinder. Likewise, if you push the top end of the paper strip at far 72 at 3 sevenths, down to the force line at 56 a third, you'll produce a close facsimile of the cosmic rumple. It identifies that the resulting new positions of me and ray are also in perfect alignment with the diatonic scale by virtue of a perpendicular line
drawn back to the plane of the poster board. The fellow in Texas had imagined the fabric of the universe to be flexible, stretchable, but non-compressible. So the elastic and paper strips worked perfectly. When he first pushed the far at three-sevenths to the force at one-third and witnessed that the notes on the elastic became diatonic, he was gobsmacked. Then, since he had imagined the fabric of the universe was flexible, stretchable, but non-compressible, when he pushed the paper strip, he witnessed the cosmic rumple. Amazingly, the notes that were at me and Ray, which were marked on the paper strip, were displaced and also became diatonic. Amazing. One movement, pushing the far at three-sevenths down to the force at one-third, also pulled the lar at five-sevenths into alignment with the other force at two-thirds, causing the notes at one-seventh, two-sevenths, three-sevenths, four-sevenths and five-sevenths to become one-eighth, one-quarter, one-third, one-half and two-thirds and created the diatonic universe. Oh my goodness! The fellow in Texas freaked out. He had his finger on the pulse of creation. It all started because he had noticed, while reading Beelzebub's Tales to his grandson, in the chapter Purgatory, the chapter on the changing of the two great lords, that the changes Gurdjieff proposed involved one stop into being lengthened in its law-conformable successiveness, another being shortened in its law-conformable successiveness, and a third being disharmonized in its law-conformable successiveness. So he got to thinking, well, what does law-conformable successiveness mean? Then he thought, oh, that means sevenths, like the sevenths that he had seen in the Enneagram. Law-conformable, even sevenths. What if the universe started off as even sevenths? Then there would be a law-conformable successiveness to things. All the intervals would be the same. On a scale of 1, 6, 8, 24, 24, 24, 24, etc. He could not imagine a better model of law-conformable successiveness than even sevenths. So, he imagined that the universe began as even sevenths. He had previously separated the forces into thirds and saw them as magnets on strings, and when he envisioned the law of seven as even sevenths, he recognised that there was a problem. Thirds and even sevenths did not work. He understood that he could not change the thirds, so he would have to change the law of seven. And he then read where it said that the stop window which was lengthened in its law-conformable successiveness was between its third and fourth deflections. One, two, three, four. Hey, that is the one between me and far. Lengthened meant if 
our endlessness was at the top dome, that something was moved farther away from our endlessness. Many people who read, he lengthened the stopinder between its third and fourth deflections, took that to mean that God pulled the notes me and far apart, and then they wrote books to that end. No, it is not about pulling me and far apart. It is about a stopinder that needed to be pushed farther away from God, pushed farther away from the top dough. It is actually about lengthening the law conformable successiveness of the stopinder that is between the third and fourth deflections, between me and far. It meant that the me far stopinder needed to be moved, needed to be lengthened in its law conformable successiveness. So, the guy in Texas tried to look at it from God's point of view and reasoned that God needed to move the entire far me stopinder farther away from himself. And if that were true, where would God push? On the me? Or on the far? Of course, on the far. Then if God did that, the entire stopinder would be pushed away. And since the aim was to bring the structure of the law of seven into common alignment with the separated forces, God would most likely keep pushing on far until it reached the force at one-third. So, the fellow in Texas was reading these Beelzebub passages over and over and over and trying to visualize them. Fortunately, he knew how stretching worked and was able to envision the stretch being spread out evenly. If that guy moves 16, then that guy will move 12, and that guy will move 8. He was in the zone of understanding. Three days later, the process he was going through finally completed itself, and, on the fourth day, he saw it. He saw the rumple. He saw the stretch. He saw the notes move from even sevenths and become diatonic, and he thought, oh my god, he jumped up, ripped a poster board off the wall, turned it over, the back was clean, and he marked it off in even sevenths, in thirds, and diatonically. It took 21 inches to get the octave of 168 depicted in 1 eighth inch marks, and he found a piece of elastic in the sewing kit and stapled it to the top dough. Then he cut a paper strip and taped it to the bottom dough. The elastic strip and the paper strip met at 3 sevenths. He marked the elastic strip and the paper strip in even sevenths. Then, pushed on the spot where the elastic and the paper strips met, and Eureka! He saw the fabric of the universe stretch and rumple and become diatonic. A truly incredible moment. And we can go beyond the incredible if we realise that the amount that each note was displaced became what it is now. Just think of that concept. As you are altered, so you became. That is indeed incredible beyond belief. And it happened to every note. The note so moved into the far so interval 
1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 20 fourths, dead center in the interval. Where is so in an octave? Dead center. As you are displaced, so shall ye be. The note La moved into the so La interval. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 20 fourths. Dividing the so La interval into two thirds and one third. Where is La in an octave? Two thirds up and one third down. As you are altered, so shall ye become. The note far moved into the mi far interval. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 24 Dividing the mi far interval into one third and two thirds. Where is far in an octave? One third up and two thirds down. As you are changed, so ye shall be. The notes that were stretched are exact relationships. The notes that were rumpled are reciprocals. As you are changed, so shall be your new name. The note me moved into the re me interval. One, two, three, four, five, six, twenty-fourths. Dividing the re me interval into three-fourths and one-fourth. Where is me in an octave? The reciprocal of that. One-fourth up and three-fourths down. Your position in the interval reflects your position in the octave. The note re moved into the do re interval. One, two, three, twenty-fourths. Dividing the do re interval into seven-eighths and one-eighth. And where is re in an octave? The reciprocal of that. One-eighth up and seven-eighths down. You are the mirror image of your movement. The note T got pulled back into the T-Do interval, which we will cover in a moment. It moved one, two, three, twenty-fourths, dividing the T-Do interval into one-eighth and seven-eighths. Where is T in an octave? The reciprocal of that. Seven-eighths up and one-eighth down. T moved one-eighth into the T-Do interval, and God's grace reaches down one-eighth into the octave. The fellow in Texas's inner world lit up like the sun. He saw creation. He saw even sevenths. He saw how three separated forces did not align with the purity of even sevenths. And he saw a way to alter the even sevenths and achieve common alignment. So, he pushed one stopinder further down in succession, which caused a stretch and a rumple to occur in the fabric of the universe, and changed the even sevenths into music, into an eighth, a quarter, a third, a half, and two thirds, and, oh my God, even the amount you moved reflected what you are. That is, 
if you walked up to the note so and asked, what is your mathematical name? He would answer, a half. And you could then smile and say, well, that means you moved a half. Because what you are reflects how you moved. Busted. Okay. If you made the model for yourself, you stapled one end of the elastic strip to the top dough and taped one end of the paper strip to the bottom dough. Why? Well, the fellow in Texas imagined that whenever a note came into contact with a force, it bonded. The idea that God lengthened and shortened the law-conformable successiveness of the intervals in an octave implies that the ends of the octave were affixed to the doughs. If not, then the elastic strip would just slide down the poster board when you pushed on the far, and the paper strip would not rumple. If you understand this, you'll understand that when the far, which was at 72, met with the force that was at 56, it bonded, after which God could let go. Why? Because it bonded. It locked in. When the far, which was at 72, was pushed to the force at 56, it bonded. Also notice that the act of pushing the far to the force at 56 also pulled the la, which was at 120, to the force at 112. And when the la contacted the force at 112, it too bonded. Whenever a note contacts a force, it bonds to the force. So, the top dough, the bottom dough, and the notes la and far became bonded to the forces at 168, 0, 112, and 56 respectively. When they did, God could let go, and everything stayed locked in. The notes had bonded to the forces, and the stretched elastic and cosmic rumple became fixed in place. But then, there was another change. A different stoppender had to be shortened in its law-conformable successiveness. The greater change in the law of seven was not done for the mere purpose of creating things outside the most holy sun absolute, because God thought that it would be cool to have a universe to watch. The purpose of creation was to allow things to arise outside of the holy sun absolute and flow back into it, thus keeping the holy sun absolute from diminishing in volume. That is, God needed a return. So, after he pushed the far me stoppender away from himself, he said, I have successfully aligned the structure with the forces. The la and far are now bonded to the forces, and the forces that were separated are now in alignment with the structure. They cannot be in the same place like they were when they were in a singularity, but they can act like they are in the same place, because they can all be participants in the same octave. I did it. Yeehaw! But wait. I need to get a return. I mean, it's cool that things can get together out there in the universe, that things can be independently created. However, I need to get something back.
Oh my me. What shall I do? I know. I will pull the last stopinder closer to me. And the stopinder which he shortened is between its last deflection and the beginning of a new cycle of its completing process. By this same shortening, for the purpose of facilitating the commencement of a new cycle of its completing process, he predetermined the functioning of the given stopinder to be dependent only upon the affluence of forces obtained from outside through that stopinder from the results of the action of that cosmic concentration itself in which the completing process of this primordial fundamental sacred law flows. And this stopinder of the sacred Heptaparaposhenoch is just that one which is still called the intentionally actualized Mudnel in. God ascertained that he needed to shorten the last stopinder, the stopinder that was between T and Do. But wait, hold on. When a note comes into contact with a force, it bonds, and when it does, it stays put. There is no force for T to lock onto and bond with. That's elastic. If you pull the T back up and let go, it will snap back. This is a good observation, so let's try it. Hold La in place, because it bonded with the force at 112. Then move the T from 140 up to 147, to the position that T occupies in the diatonic structure. Then, if you let go, it snaps back. That means our endlessness must be holding on to T in order to keep it from snapping back. Wow! There is grace. God reached down, grabbed onto T, pulled it back toward himself, and held on. He cannot let go. Unfortunately, God cannot reach down any further and give mankind a hand. Man has to make it to T on his own. The grace of God has entered the universe but it only extends to T. If God lets go, T will snap back and creation will cease. If we read Gurji's postulation regarding the shortening of the last stopinder again and again, a hundred times, maybe we would understand that the shortening meant that the force of the top dough could be felt at the T. If something makes it up to T, it will feel the force of the top dough reaching back through that stopinder from the results of the action of that cosmic concentration itself in which the completing process of this primordial fundamental sacred law flows. And the influence of the top dough reaching down allows things that reach the note T to complete themselves. In order to better understand this idea, I'll tell you the story of a man lost in the desert. Okay, let's put you out in the middle of the Gobi or Sahara Desert. If you became lost in the desert, what would most likely happen to you? If you said, I would probably die unless I found a way out, you are correct. You would probably die unless you found a way out. Okay. Which way do you go?
Do you go this way or that way? Perhaps you orient yourself by the position of the sun and try to always head west or head north, etc. I do not know which direction you're going to pick or if it will be the right direction, but I do know that you will pick one. You will not just stand there until you die. So, you start walking in some chosen direction, trying to find your way out of the desert. You'll walk for a day, for two days, for three days, for four days, and maybe even for five days. But at some point, you cannot walk anymore. You are out. You are spent. You are burnt, dehydrated and exhausted. And you realize that you're not going to make it out of the desert. You're going to die there. There is no hope left. There is no force left. You can hardly walk. You're just barely shuffling your feet, barely moving, and you finally succumb. You fall face down in the sand to die. You are done. It's over. You fell down to die. You're not getting back up. The journey is over. But at the very last moment of your existence, you happen to peek out of one of your swollen eyes, and there, over the next sand dune, you see the top of a palm tree. What do you suppose happens then? If you said, I get up and start running, you are correct. You are up on your feet and running. Now, wait a second. A minute ago, you were dead. You had no force. You could not go any further. And now, you're on your feet and running. Which way do you run? That way toward the palm tree. You run to the doe, to the oasis. The doe, the oasis, has reached back to you and said, Here I am. Here is how you can complete yourself. Here is how you can facilitate the commencement of the next cycle. Come to me. Run to the oasis. The grace of God has reached down. That palm tree has reached over the sand dune and said, Here I am infusing you with an incredible energy. You are running in the desert. By the way, that is the only time you should run in the desert, when you see the oasis. You run with everything you've got. God has reached back through the stopender and called your name. Then, when you reach the oasis, you fall down in the water and drink. Your chapped and cracked lips revitalize a little bit and you drink and drink and drink. You get under the shade of the palm trees and get out of the sun. Maybe some of the trees have coconuts or dates that you can eat. Maybe there are some little lizards that you can clunk with a coconut and eat. Maybe you even make a fire. I don't know. But I do know that you have a much better chance of surviving. You maybe even be capable, as Gurdjieff says, of facilitating the commencement of a new cycle of its completing process and continue your journey of trying to get out of the desert. How long do you think that you'll stay at the oasis? If you said, until I'm strong enough to leave, you're correct. You're only there in order to facilitate the commencement of the next cycle of trying to get the heck out of the desert. So you stay there for a day or for two, for three, for four or for a week preparing for the next journey. While you're getting your strength back, 
you fabricate coconuts to carry water, you attach vines to them so you can drape them over your shoulders, you amass a bunch of dried lizards so you have food to eat, and you even fashion a hat made of palm trees to help protect you from the sun. Then, at some point, you say, it is time to leave the oasis and again try to get out of the desert. Or, if you were in the Olympics and were running the marathon, 26.2 miles, and you run for about 23 or 24 miles and were dead exhausted, you could barely move, your feet were just shuffling along, and you started to question whether or not you should quit the race because it was too long, it was too hard, your heart was hurting, your legs were weak, you could not get enough oxygen and you'd lost a tenth of your body weight. Then at that moment, you finally came round a corner and there, in the distance, you see the Olympic Stadium and by doing so, you're able to finish the race. Why? Well, when you see the Olympic Stadium, you feel the dough reaching back to you and you become infused with energy. A smile comes to your face and joy fills your heart. There it is. There is completion. Victory is in sight. And, because of that, you have the force to make it to the stadium. And, it all happens because the law of seven was changed. One stop end was shoved down, and another pulled back up, which, when seen, allows you to finish the race. That does it. By successfully uncreating the universe, we have taken the first step towards answering the question, why are things the way they are? In the next podcast, we will begin a discussion on why people fell asleep and how they can awaken. Thank you for listening. And if you'd like to know more about the subjects and exercises we've been covering in these podcasts, including the book and guide that underpins all of this and how we work with it. You can find us at The Dog Publishing at the website thedogpub.com That's T-H-E-D-O-G-P-U-B dot com Hope you find it useful. Goodbye. Until next time.